I'd like you to take your Bibles tonight and go to the book of James, chapter 1, where we're going to be de dealing with some of the great principles and truths of God's Word regarding the ministry of light, or light ministry. James, chapter 1. So, it was a great, great time for God's people. Well, James chapter 1, verse 17, declares that every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? That's right. And comes down from the Father of lights. With whom? The Father of lights. With whom? Him, God, is no variableness, neither shadow of what? God's word is God's will. What God says is, there is no variableness in God, neither shadow of turning. The word of God says he is the father of lights. God is light. And what God has declared and established in his word, there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. How wonderful it is to know that what we read in God's word today will still be God's word tomorrow. That God is not a God who says something today and then tomorrow decides he wants to change his mind and then the third day figures something else. Boy, that'd really keep us busy, wouldn't it? <laughs> Just when we think we've really got the corner on something in the Word, then we'd have to turn around and change it because God changed his mind. But see, God's Word is his will. It's absolute people. And he is the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, variableness neither shadow of turning. In the book of Numbers, in the Old Testament, Numbers 23, Prophet Malachi declared when speaking for God, for I am the Lord, I change not. God does not change. So there are things that we can learn about God from the Old Testament. The Old Testament is for our learning. Those born again of God's Spirit who have received power from on high, who make up the body of believers, there are portions of God's Word that are addressed to us in the church epistles, the Old Testament, which includes the Gospels, even though it says beginning of the New Testament, the way it was put together in the King James, still is part of the Old Testament, is for our learning. And here in Numbers 23, this is Balaam here. And Balaam was, we had a, a bad king, he was the heavy and he was asking Balaam to, to do a number on Israel, to prophesy against them. <laughs> and uh, I guess his dad made jeans or something. Says he was the son of Zipper. Verse 19 of Numbers 23. God is not a what? Well, praise the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. 
Hath he said, and shall he not, what, do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? You see, there's no variableness. There's no turning in God. And there are, are immutable principles in God's word that remain all the way through. And when men and women who hunger for the things of God, who want to know God and walk in the greatness of what he's given, understand these principles and utilize them in day-to-day living, then they can walk the victorious walk that God promises us. Like we heard in Manifestations tonight, God says, walk forth upon my word. God would not ask us to do something that's not available. It has to be available to walk forth on his word and to have a word to walk forth on and to be able to manifest that power from on high, to manifest the victory, to be able to see deliverance. God guarantees that whenever his word is held forth, rightly divided, and to the end that there can be right understanding, signs, miracles, and wonders will follow. God confirms his word. He backs it up. He's given us his guarantee, and all he asks is that men and women by free will walk that walk. They simply walk out and walk on the light of his word. In the Gospel of John, the first chapter, is where we want to start here tonight to set for you three principles from God's word, three immutable principles. You see, God had to condescend in the form of words in order to communicate to man. And of course, he gave us his word, so that thereby God made himself known. The greatest of all his works is his word. And God condescended in that, in the form of words to communicate. And there are certain things that God's word says about this word of God that he gave us. And here in John chapter one, well, first of all, let me set for you the three principles. Number one, God is light. Number two, the word of God is light. And number three, light dispels darkness. God is light. The word of God is light. And light dispels darkness. And of course, we understand the third. We utilize it all the time in the natural realm. That's why we can see tonight. There's no sun suspended here in the ceiling of the WW Auditorium. Physical light, artificial light is being used, powered by electricity. The marvels of the 20th century. Wonderful. (laughs) And all the wire that runs to all those plugs so you can have all that juice so you can see one another. And with the great marvel of the light switch, you turn it on and you blow the fuse. Or sometimes you you turn it on and light, there's light. You don't even think about it. Like little kids, they never ask, how does that work? They just want to turn it on and off, on and off, on and off, on and off. 
And they think that's really great because, boy, they can flip a switch and light comes on. And they flip a switch and it goes off. Light is introduced. And here in John chapter 1, verse 4, it says, In him, God, was life. And the life was the light of men. And, verse 5, the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. In volume 3 of Studies in Abundant Living, the words weigh. In the study, who is the word regarding Jesus Christ? In this particular section, it states, What was this life which was in God, and which was the light of men? This life was the Spirit of God, which is the light of God given in concretion. This Spirit of God was upon all the prophets who spoke and wrote God's mind and will. Finally, it was upon Jesus Christ himself. The Spirit of God was spiritual revelation from God to men of God. Not everything that God revealed to the prophets was written down. Prophets frequently spoke the word of God and then did not write it down. Other times, the prophets wrote down what they spoke. For example, when Balaam spoke, God is not a man that he should what? That got written down, so we know what he spoke. Some of the spoken word of the prophets we do not have, but the word we do have in writing was and still is the light of men. Not everything that God has revealed to man is recorded in the Bible, but that which is needed for salvation and for our learning is recorded. This is the meaning of the record in John 1.4, and the life was the light of men. The revelation came to men of God who spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, They either uttered it verbally and or made it known by way of writing. Thus, holy men of God spake. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. How did the light shine in darkness before the coming of Jesus Christ? By way of the men of God who spoke or wrote God's mind and will. That's how. The written word continues today to shine in the darkness of this world. Darkness cannot bring forth light. Neither can darkness overcome light. One small candle is powerful enough to penetrate and dispel darkness. If we had a birthday cake, for example, up here on the podium tonight and turned out all the lights so that it was dark in here, and we lit that one little birthday candle, all the volume, all the cubic feet of no light in this room could not put out the light emitted by one candle. So also is God's revelation of himself in his word. The darkness comprehended it not means the darkness could not quench the light. God's revelation of himself 
is light. God gave his spirit, put it in men who could write down God's will so that we have it. And the word of God says that once that was given, that is light. Now, is it just light when it was first given or is it light today? It's light today, sure. Because what it is always will be. It's absolute. It's a constant. When it was first given, it was light. Today, it is still light. Down the road, it's going to be light. And it remains constant. And the darkness cannot comprehend it. It cannot extinguish it. In the study, Jesus Christ is not God regarding this verse 5. There is some additional light given. The clause in verse 5 is a general rather than a specific statement regarding light and darkness. It does not refer to a specific time in the past, in the present, or in the future, but rather it is making a generalization about all time. Darkness is the absence of light. So now we know what darkness is. It's the absence of it. Light, heat, and all forms of energy are measured in terms of the positive in the natural realm. Never the negative. The negative is the absence of the positive. Even from a scientific point of view, there is no way that darkness could comprehend light since darkness is the absence of light. That which does not exist cannot overcome that which exists. That which does not exist, darkness cannot overcome that which exists, light. To the degree light is present, then darkness can't be there. So if we want more light in the auditorium, what do we do? We get our dust pan and broom out and sweep out the darkness, right? Push it out the door or go, oh, darkness, go away. Hmm, doesn't work, does it? No, we simply introduce more light. We turn on the lights. Right. When you get up in the morning <laughs> and you walk outside and the birds are singing, you don't look outside and say, boy, it's a hardly dark day today. No, we, we even think, we even in the natural realm, the scientific realm, we think in terms of the positive, the, the presence of light. God said in Genesis, let there be light. And he established, he put the greater light and the lesser light and the greater light ruled over the day and so on. Whatever makes up light, whatever that light is, God spoke it into being. And ever since then, here it is. And it still works. Every day, the sun still comes up. You know that? Whether a man believes or doesn't believe, the sun still gets up. Whether he's got up on the wrong side of bed or not, it still what? Comes up. If he doesn't want to go to work today, it still what? Comes up. Right. Because it's a principle, and it's a law, and God established it in his word. And where light is introduced, darkness can't be there. 
So if we want less darkness, then we need more what? We can do that in a room. We can also do that in the lives of God's people. As I introduce light, the light of God from his word, then darkness has to take a hike. Hallelujah. In Psalm 119, Psalm 119, verse 130, 130. Psalm 119, 130. The entrance of thy words, the entrance of thy words, of which the word of God is made up, gives what? The entrance of thy words gives light. When the words of God, of which the word of God is made up, is introduced, and the entrance here, in Bollinger's Companion Bible, this word, he uses, this word is, means like a doorway. In the Eastern home, they didn't have windows. So for light to be introduced, the doorway, which remained open during the day, so light could be introduced. The entrance, like an open door. When the doors are open, then the light of the words of God can be introduced. And the only way there will be an entrance of the words of God is if that word of God, those words, are spoken or written. That the written word or the spoken word is introduced. It's got to come in there. There's got to be an entrance of it. Now, I can't just take this and just go, okay, let there be light. You know, and then, did you get that on the tape? I'm holding up my Bible to my head, okay? Just holding it there, doesn't. this is light, doesn't make light go in my mind. There has to be an entrance to it. Now, God, being so wonderful and knowing what he's doing, saw to it that we have senses, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching. And by way of that, then this, which is in the senses realm, his word, I can introduce light. I can read it and put it in my mind. Or when we're sharing the word with someone else. Now, you know, the Bible never says that about the words of men, that the words of men are light. Does it? Well, it doesn't. <laughs> Unless those words of men are the words of God. When the men speak the words of God, then there's light. But if it's just, well, today's a nice day, and gee, the flowers are pretty, and some of that kind of stuff, I mean, that's all fine and good. But it's not the word of God made up of words which gives light. If we want the entrance of light and we want understanding then it must be the word of God that we go to and that it has to be introduced. In 1 John chapter 5, or chapter 1, please. God is light, the word of God is light, and light dispels darkness. First John chapter 1, verse 5. This then, verse 5, is the message which we have heard of him. 
So we know with the source. And declare unto you, so now we're going to hear it, that God is sort of light. <laughs> no, God is what? Light. And in him is no darkness at all. Absolutely no darkness. I believe it's a, a dub, what they call a double negative in the Greek. There's absolutely no darkness in God. He is all light. Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him, but walk in darkness, we what? Right. And do not the truth. We're fibbing. That's not true. But if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Well, hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Praise God it does. That's right. Because man, body and soul man, even with the spirit of God in him, that body and soul man will blow it. He'll make mistakes. But God gave us the guarantee by way of the redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ that whenever man blows it and gets out of fellowship with the Heavenly Father, that he can again restore that fellowship with God who is light to the end that as he is light, we can, as we walk in that light, as he is the light, we can walk in it, that we can put it on, that we can be that word of God. Well, I don't know, sometimes the greatness of this thing is just so tremendous to know that we know that we have fellowship with our heavenly father and that it can be restored. If something happens and a man blows it, he can get back into fellowship. Our fellowship with God is determined by our being in alignment and harmony with what God thinks. Not being in alignment and harmony with ourself. You know, or being at one with the cosmos or letting our conscience be our guide, or following our heart, or any of these wonderful slogans that mean absolutely nothing as far as God's word is concerned. So if I want to know what's, what God thinks, then I have to have the entrance of his words. In the study, volume one, as he is, regarding these verses, it declares these verses dwell on the topic, fellowship. To have fellowship with God, a person must first of all be a son. A son has fellowship in a family only after he is born. So I'd be a little difficult prior to that. And I know they, they teach you that sometimes. Some birth classes, you're supposed to talk to it when it's inside. You know. You're supposed to get down by the belly and go, hello, and pat it, and... I like you, and you're wonderful, whatever you are. See, and then they're supposed to hear that or something. And then they come out and they go, why, that must have been you. <laughs> I wondered who that was. Well, anyway. You have fellowship in a family only after you're born. Then, after being born again, our fellowship with God is indicated by our walk as Christian believers. 
If we walk in the light as he is light, we speak the words he speaks. We believe what he would have us believe. We act as he would have us act. We declare what he declares. We are as he is because we declare his word. We believe what his word says we are to believe. We speak what his word says to speak. And that makes it very simple and very wonderful and very beautiful that we can walk in that light. Look at Second Samuel, please, chapter 22. Take a look at a couple of these scriptures here in the Old Testament. Of course, this is Old Testament servants of God, sons of God by adoption. Certainly it will be no less for sons of God by birth. Second Samuel 22, verse 29. For thou art my lamp, O Lord. Verse 29. For thou, the Lord, art my lamp or my candle, O Lord. God's our lamp. God's our candle. God's our light. And the Lord will lighten my what? That's right. If there's darkness and we want to get rid of it, then who do we look to? God, that's right. And how do we look to him? On a nature walk? Right. We go around and see him in the bushes and the stars and the... Be- no. You don't grow a forest in your home to introduce lights. That'd be kind of challenging, wouldn't it? No, it's real simple. We've got it right there. Every We've got his word. And you know something? The way God designed the human mind, we can actually read what's in his word, and then we can hold it there. We can take the light of God in his word and hold it in our minds and think on it. And when we're thinking the light of God's word, then darkness can't be there. And that's real neat. Also takes all the guesswork out of it. The Lord will lighten our darkness. He will do the lighting as we by free will go to the source of the light. But God says that he will lighten our darkness. It is available for him to do that. In Psalm 34, See, these are absolutes. These are absolute principles, truths from the word. They're immutable. They don't change. Psalm 34, verse 4, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my, what? Fears. Verse 5, they looked unto him and were, what? Lightened. I believe one version translates that radiant. They were lightened. They were radiant. They were lit up. And their faces were not ashamed because they looked to him. What you look at is what you become. And again, if you're going to look to the Lord, you've got to look to what God has given us that makes him known, which is his wonderful revealed word. And when the light of God's word is introduced, then darkness can't be there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we see this great truth here and set for us in the administration to which you and I belong. 
this administration of grace began on the day of Pentecost with the making available of the new birth and will continue until the gathering together of the body of Christ, which happens when Christ returns in the clouds and we're going to be gathered together. The dead in Christ are going to rise first and then those who remain alive are going to get changed. And so shall we ever be with the Lord and that'll be the end of this administration. That's right. That wonderful won't take a congressional hearing to figure that all out. <laughs> well, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Second Corinthians chapter four, or chapter three, excuse me, verse seventeen. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Verse 18, the word but should be and, and we all with open face, nothing hidden, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. We all with an open face, with nothing hidden, our face uncovered, beholding as in a glass or a mirror. The eastern mirrors that they used were not glass like we think of a mirror. They were highly polished metal. And when one would look in them, the reflection of the light off the metal would give your face the hue of that metal. If it was very highly polished bronze, you'd have sort of a bronzy look. It wasn't good to check out your suntan, I guess. As you looked into it, you became that. Your face would sort of come aglow because of the reflection. And God chose that particular analogy to place here in his word to teach the great truth that as we look to him by way of his word and what he accomplished through Jesus Christ, we become that. One glory, from glory to glory. One glory reflecting another glory. Coming from the Lord who is spirit. We could use that illustration here tonight. When we see one another, we do not see light bulbs. The source of light in our room tonight is a light bulb. Yet what we see each other by way of is not, we don't see light bulbs, but the, the, that which the light bulb gives off would be like the glory. The word, for example, is the source of light. It is light. It gives that light. As we look to it, what it gives off lightens us up. As we look to it and we hold it, we become that light of God to the end that we can radiate it to others. That's how it works, the same way that it does in the natural realm. If I, wa- if I was in a dark room in the physical realm and I wanted to see somebody, I'm supposed to have one in, hey, here it is, they'd get me a flashlight. This is a flashlight, and so I'd just take it and I'd go, shine. Oh, there you are over there, I can see you. See, see myself. You introduce light. 
Now, I, you know, I look, for example, I got Robert, one of our wows down here, and I shine the light on him. Now, if I did that, I don't see it. I don't say why. Look, there's a flashlight there. No, I see Robert because of the glory, because of what it's giving off. The same way with the word. We introduce the word. And we get lit up. One glory reflecting another glory. This is one of the great principles of the renewed mind. We become Christ-like. And darkness cannot comprehend light. Darkness cannot overcome what? So if there's any darkness in there in my mind, and I want to get rid of it, then what do I introduce? And once the light goes in there, then the darkness does what? Run away, run away. One glory reflecting another glory, coming from the Lord who is spirit. Therefore, verse 1, chapter 4, seeing we have or having this ministry, as we have received mercy, and mercy is God's withholding, merited judgment. And wherever you have mercy, you also have grace, God's unmerited divine favor. As we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God how? Right. But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. We just commend ourselves. We introduce the light of God. Just simply introduce the light of the word. That's the ministry. That's what it's talking about. That service on the horizontal level, which is what the word ministry means. It means service. One man to another, rendered on the horizontal. And the great service that can be rendered here is the introducing of that light. We put on light and we introduce it by way of his revealed word. We just simply declare it. We make it known. If you'd like, put your marker here and go, because we'll come back. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2. Here we have the great truth where God says that we are to be light givers. Verse 15, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke from God, in the midst of a crooked and perverse kingdom or age, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. And that word light there is used of reflected light, like the stars, like the moon. You know, the moon isn't a big giant bulb, but it reflects the light comes from the sun. And the, the statement I remember doctors make many times, the darker the night, the brighter the stars shine. You go out when it's really dark, those st stars just seem to be brilliant. They're lit up all over the place. We become light givers as we put on the light and then we hold it forth, verse 16, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. As we introduce that light, then the darkness goes away. And where the light is bright, then those that hunger like the moth that's attracted to the porch lamp every summer and comes flying in there. How does it find its way to your porch? 
I mean, why did, how does it know your porch from all these other porches? Because you do what? You turn on the light. And then, of course, you try to mix it up. You try to use a different colored light, like a yellow one. that's supposed to make it confuse. Or if you want to fry it in one of those electric things, you use a blue light. A bug killer, yeah, because it likes blue and it doesn't like yellow or something. That's right. It's supposed to be, be able what it can distinguish. But when you just take your regular old good old American or whatever light bulb and you turn it on, that moth will go right for it. And people who are out there in the world who hunger and thirst for the things of God, when light is introduced, that's what attracts. That's what turns them on. And we just simply introduce it. As the light is introduced, as we give light, then people can receive it. That's how it works. So wonderful. But, verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 4, if our gospel, that good news of the revelation of the mystery, be hid or veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Lost would be perishing. So there's going to be some that it's veiled to. Why? Verse 4 tells us, In whom? The veiled ones. The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. That light, which is the image of him, which would make him known, he blinds them. So that, you know, you could just sit there and they do, I don't see anything. I don't, there's no light there. I can't see anything. Even though you could just hold it right up in front of them. And the reason that can happen is because man has free will. Man can believe what he wants to believe. Some choose to believe the dark stuff. Others choose to believe the light. If you keep your finger here, look at the Gospel of John, chapter 3. John 3. Here you'll see the two basic responses to light. John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not what? But have everlasting life. So whosoever means, whosoever, whosoever believes, he's going to have everlasting life. 4, verse 17. God sent not his son into the world to what? Condemn him, you know. That isn't what he sent him for. But that the world through him, by believing unto him, might be what? Saved. He that believes on him is not what? Condemned. But he that believes not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. By his own unbelief. And this is the condemnation. That light is coming to the world, but... Men love what? <laughs> Darkness. Rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doth evil. Is that doth or doeth? How do you say that? Is that doeth? For everyone that doeth evil hates the light. Neither comes to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth comes to the light that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. One likes the darkness, doesn't want any light. See, the light really shows it up for what it is, so he just chooses to stay in darkness and say, fine, I'm in the light. 
you know. I'm really, oh, oh, excuse me. Oh, 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 I'm in the, boom, oh, oh. Men walking in their own sparks, you know, falling off in a ditch somewhere. Because when the light is introduced, then a man's got to change. Man's got to make up his mind. Once the light has been introduced, no man can remain the same. He'll either respond to the light and go, gee, what is that? I kind of like that. That's nice. Give me some more. Or just, you know, no, go away. But that's because man has free will. There are some who, who do want to believe and there's some who don't want to believe. Our responsibility is simply to introduce the light. And once light is introduced, what happens to darkness? Isn't that great? Back in 2 Corinthians 4, tells us now how we do this. 4, verse 5, we preach not ourselves, but who? Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves, your servants, your doulos, for Jesus' sake. This is the verse I remember a lot of times in doctor to handle this. He says, we don't preach the writings of V.P. Weirwell or the way. It isn't that, that followers of the way, but him who is the way, the Lord Jesus Christ. The way is a fellowship of the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. That's who we preach, Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves, your bond slaves, for Jesus' sake, becoming that broken bread for others, allowing those to walk on our feet until they can walk on their own. We become God's hands, his feet, his light givers. For God, verse 6, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of of Jesus Christ, by what Jesus Christ accomplished. And this treasure, God in Christ, in us, we have it in an earthen vessel. And it uses the word earthen because it's temporal. It doesn't mean it's earthen because it's just all ugly. You know, ugh, earthen vessel. You know, just a bunch of cracked pots. Maybe that's where crack pot came from. I don't know. We have this treasure in an earthen vessel. It means it's temporal. It isn't going to be here. This is like an earthen vessel. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We simply introduce the light and then God takes care of it. It's like that poem that doctor read on one of his albums. I think we, we reproduced it here not too long ago, where it talks about the old lamp where the winds would blow and the storms would beat, but no one cared about the lamp, only the light that shone the way on the sidewalk so people could see. And how that lamp is a text for young and old who seek in a world of pride to shine for the Lord and show him forth and never their light to hide. You are the lantern, but Christ is the light inside. We're like those lamps, those lanterns that can introduce light and hold it forth. In Matthew chapter 5, Ephesians 5 says that we're children of light, therefore walk in the light, proving what's acceptable. 
We are his children, therefore, as we introduce that light and walk in it, then God can be made known. God's will can be made known. Here in Matthew 5, verse 14, it says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. You've got a city out there on a hillside and it gets dark. And everybody in town turns on their light. Guess what? They're not going to hide it too well. <laughs> they used to demonstrate this in tactical training in the army when I was in the army a few years ago. They'd get you out at night, night maneuvers, and you're all sitting there in the dark, you know, sitting there on these bleachers for it seems like hours and hours and hours and hours. These guys come up and lecture you and they say, okay, here's what happened. You're out there in the jungle. Here comes the enemy sneaking up on you, and then you go and light a cigarette. You know what will happen? He'll see that cigarette. He can see it. He can see it a mile or two away. And I guess, oh, come on. You know, if I cut my hand and just flick my bick real quick, you know. And then they have a guy over there light up a cigarette who's just on this hill way over there. And all of a sudden, it's just this, whoosh, this light, and it goes, ooh. Well, I was thinking about giving up smoking. <laughs> City set on a hill can't be hid. The lights introduce. That's right. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. That wouldn't be too smart, would it? But on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Okay. Earl, you want to bring that lamp out, please? Want to? have a little demonstration here of how this principle, just like it says here in the Gospel of Matthew, you let your light so shine before men. You don't take a, take a candle and put it under a bushel. Lamp. Globe that rattles. Okay, fuel. Wick. Light. Action. Here we got light, okay? Now, if I was in a dark room, that's cue to the lighting people, and the lights go, okay? Now, here I'm, here's the source. Here's the light, okay? Now, just like the word says, if I want to be lit up, then what I do is I look to the light. See, you can see me, right? But then if I don't want to be lit up, then all I do is I take my face and I look over here. And what I look at is what I become. I can look to the source of light, which is the light of God's Word, and I can hold that light in mind, and then I'm lit up. But I can look at the world around me, and I can see all these problems and stuff out here, you know, and I can say, well, gee, look at all this over here. Pretty soon you don't... What happens to your face? But if I go back to the light, or I can say, oh, there's some people over there. they got problems over here. And the next thing you know, I'm looking and dwelling on all these problems these people got over here. And lo and behold, I start taking on what I look at. That's why it's so great about when you introduce light. If, we, if people got problems and they want to be helped with their problems, the greatest Solution to the problems is the introduction of the light of God's Word. Because I can go over here and, and look at problems and talk and talk, but it's simply the introduction of light. Now, okay, we're going to 
We're going to bring lights out. First of all, I'm going to have the audience do it, okay? All right, here's how we're going to get more light in the room. Right now, I want you to, everybody, start pushing the darkness out of the room. Okay, here you go. Come on, try it. See if it works. Doesn't work, does it? Okay, I hear I got the answer now. Let's we're gonna fight it. That's it. We're gonna really take a stand and come on, fight the darkness. Here we go. Fight that darkness. We're gonna get it out of here, boy. I'm really gonna take a stand and fight it. <laughs> hmm. That isn't how it works, does it? Uh-uh. If you want to get rid of darkness, what do you do? Just introduce the light. You just turn them on. Okay? Rick will turn them on. <laughs> See how simple that is? You introduce light. That's how it works. There you go. Thank you. See, we just let our light shine. We go to the source of light. We introduce that light, and then darkness goes the other way. That's why the brilliance of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ was absolutely unbelievable. In that short period of time in which he walked and ministered, in a very dark and desperate time, and yet even to this day, because of his introduction of light as God's wonderful, only begotten Son, even today still, people, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ can bring that deliverance to the the heart and life of a man or woman if they choose to believe. And I thought of that, the impact of one man's ministry on the world, God's only begotten Son, Certainly with God in Christ in us, what kind of impact can we have in our schools, in our shops and factories, our communities and areas, our countries, where we put on the light and we represent it, we hold it forth. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's right, where you get yoked in with them. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion or fellowship hath light with what? Light. Light's light and darkness is darkness. And the only way that someone who has light could ever, that light could have become darkness is if they stop looking at the light and start looking at the darkness. On the other hand, if the one who has the light stays in the light and walks as he is the light and introduces then the darkness can become what? If they want to, by free will. Or if they can say, go away, I don't want to see any, then fine, by free will. Word over the world, to give every man, woman, child, young person, adult, give them the opportunity to say yes or no to God's word. To hold forth, to introduce that light. And we do that by holding forth, getting the word over ourselves, and then introducing it in our communities, in our areas. Verse 17. Well, verse 15, what conquered hath Christ with Belial? Verse 16, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. The body of believers is the temple. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Verse 17, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and Touch not the unclean, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. He'll be a father unto us, and by way of his wonderful word, 
He will provide for us. The Lord Almighty, God is almighty in resources to defend his children, to support his children, to supply their every need. And he has supplied abundantly through Christ Jesus and declared it in the wonderful light of his word. And as we introduce that light and walk in that light, then those around us can have that opportunity also to walk in the light, to become sons of God, daughters of God, to walk in the fellowship. And that's the great culmination, the great heart of that walk of light, that ministry of light, is to walk in light, in alignment and harmony with our Heavenly Father, to walk with Him, to talk with Him, and then to have the joy to share it with others. Because God is light, His Word is light, and light dispels what? When we walk in the, in the truths of these great principles, then God's light can certainly shine forth dynamically and brilliantly. I'd like to close this evening with a poem by our Lynn Keyes, member of the Sixth Way Corps, entitled Evening. At times when daytime's over and my thoughts are quiet and still, I remember Earth's creator. Peace begins my heart to fill. When the starlit dusk surrounds me with its softened evening light, I'm encompassed by his love within the midst of deepest night. For I know the giver of all light, enabling men to see. Light that shatters dark's concealing power is living within me. Light far greater than the evening stars, whose brilliance distance seems to dim. For I reflect the heart of God and emanate the light from him. That men and women everywhere whose shadowed vision lies unclear may know the dawning of his love and see the day that's free from fear. Thank you, Father, for your love, your goodness, your grace and tender mercy, and for the wonderful light of your word, and for the privilege, Father, to have that light to walk in it, to share and minister to others. Thank you for your people again this night around the world and for all that you've done for us through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you very much. God bless you.